Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Yes. 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 Yes and amen. Yes and amen. Hallelujah. Father, you are great. How great thou art. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory, glory, glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Great and mighty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. King of glory. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship you. There's none like you in all the earth, O oh God. Great in splendor. Oh, we worship you in your holiness before your throne, O oh God. Thank you, Lord. Your kindness is everlasting. Your mercy is new every morning, O oh God. We worship you. We adore you, O oh Lord. Great is our King. Mighty is your arm, O oh God. Mighty to save. Thank you, Lord. Holy are you, O oh God. We bless your name, O oh God. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Jamie, the Holy Spirit says yes. 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 Not, not yes in acknowledgement. Not yes in permission. But yes. beginning of it. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Maybe seated for a moment. Yes. It's always good to get into the the Spirit of God. It's always good to spend time with the Spirit of God. And while while we're in, while we're with, while we're in with the Spirit of God, it's always good to listen. And this morning I was doing a lot of listening. Because yes, we're worshiping, and I was worshiping. But He's also speaking. And I heard Him say, Yes. Yes to what? Yes to what? Well, I know. And I can't tell you everything. But what I did hear him say is, <laughs> go into the fall with anticipation. Phew. 
go into the fall with anticipation, not with fear. And we've all heard the we all heard the warnings and the predictions and the what ifs and the might happens. And the Holy Spirit this morning says, go into the fall with anticipation, not with fear. Anticipate. Anticipate. Come to the come to Sunday mornings in anticipation. Anticipate what God wants to do. Anticipate that He's going to do something. Because He's going to. If you're anticipating something, if you're expecting something to happen, if you're expecting God to do something, then you come with a whole different attitude than if you're just coming because, well, it's another Sunday morning. Now, what I'm about to say is not scolding. So don't take it that way. Please don't take it that way. Take it with the heart of anticipation and expectation. The Holy Spirit told me during worship that things are going to happen at the beginning of the service that you don't want to miss. Now what that means, and I, and I know what it means, but I don't want it to solve because I, I know... It's hard to get here early. It's hard to be here on time even sometimes, isn't it? Our schedules. Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yes. But when we come together, when we come to worship, the worship is from the beginning to the end. And there's going to be things that are going to happen and they're not always going to happen in the same order. And if you miss part of it, you're going to miss all of it. I want to encourage us. Like I said, this is not a scolding. Please don't take that. This is anticipation. I want to encourage us to set our clocks ahead. Set our our timers ahead. Whatever it takes. Because when the body comes together and God wants to do what He wants to do, I, I did not look back. I didn't see who came in after eight, after nine thirty. That's not this. Not what this is about. You came in after nine thirty. Well, I assume that. That's <laughs> we could set our watch on that one, though. But there are things that God wants to do at the beginning. Worship. When we enter worship, it's not the prelude. Worship isn't the prelude. Worship is worship. And there are things that happen that, that we need as a body, we need as a, as a group. What I saw this morning in the Spirit was that things are starting to... <laughs> I get excited, I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. I'm excited. Things are starting to do this. Here. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing things that that have needed to come together and things that needed to fit together, you know, like a a well-oiled machine, a a uh, well-oiled gear system. Things are starting to come together and one of them this morning specifically was the worship. And the Holy Spirit said, yes. 
It's the beginning. Yes, that part comes into place, and, and my part comes into place more. See, I, the Lord's calling me to be more diligent, more, more listening, more, more in tune with His voice. And as each one of us do that, then we, then we see the plan of God fulfilled in a greater way. God is calling us. Now, He's calling the whole body, obviously. He's calling the whole church worldwide. He's calling everybody. Not everybody listens, though, do they? Well, I endeavor to listen. I endeavor to hear and I endeavor to do. Doesn't matter what the church down the road does or the church up the road or or it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we're the only ones. He's calling the church to be the church. And what's happened culturally and and not just here, it's around the world. What's happened is we've become real grace-filled. And grace is good. Grace is wonderful. Praise God for grace. But He's also calling us to be more diligent. And one of those ways is that when it's time to move, when it's time for Him to do what He wants to do, we're all here and we're all ready. And as we're ready, watch what God does. The, the, the anticipation during worship, it was like I could see things in the fall. I could, I, I could hear things that were happening, and it was exciting. What God wants to do, uh, even more so, is exciting. But it means that we all have to raise our game. In a team, if, if you know, I played football, and, and my my last season of football in high school, my junior year, was not my glory year. It wasn't. Because there were some things happening in my life, there were some choices I was making, and there was, there was a, uh, I had my focus on something else, a different sport, and I just kind of went into football half, half interested. Not even that much, maybe a quarter interested. I was there because you know everybody wanted me to be there because I was the biggest guy in the school. And of course, you must play football. And so I showed up, but the coaches could tell I wasn't into it, so I sat on the bench most of my junior year. I, I started every game, every game from, from fifth grade through uh, 10th grade. I started every single game. When I got to be a junior, I sat on the bench, never started a game. And I wasn't in the game. I just wasn't in the game. I, 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 I was focusing on wrestling. That was what my passion had become. And I was focusing on something else. And what happens in our lives is our, our focus, our passion can change. Even from something that is good, something that is vital, the, the, the kingdom of God, our focus can change to something else. It happens. We're human beings. It happens to all of us. My focus had changed, and, and I was one game there all of a sudden the, the, the right tackle, that was the, the, the position I played, the right tackle was injured. You know, and, I, and, and the, the fateful moment when the, when the coach grabs your shoulder pad and says, "Get in there." And when I got in there, I had zero focus. I had no idea I hadn't been watching the game. I hadn't been listening, I hadn't been in tune. I didn't know what they had been doing up to that point. I wasn't connected. We came up to the line. I understood what the play was. The play was supposed to come between me and the guard. Very simple play. The way it's designed is I block the guy right ahead of me. 
He blocks the guy in front of him. We make a hole. The, the ball comes right between us. But I wasn't focused. I missed the little detail. We get down into our stance. The quarterback is calling the audibles. And all of a sudden, the guard yells something that I wasn't paying attention to. He called gaps. Football players, you know what gaps means? That means the blocking assignment just changed. I'm supposed to block somebody else other than the guy right in front of me. I'm supposed to block a different person, a person who was in the gap. Somebody else was going to block the guy in front of me. I hear, I didn't, I heard him yell, but it, it just didn't register because I wasn't in tune. I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't in the middle. I wasn't, my head wasn't in the game. And they yelled gaps and I missed it. So I blocked the guy straight ahead of me and so did the guard. And the guy over here took us for a loss, ending the drive, and we lost the game. The season that we're in, in the world, the season that we're in, in the church, the season that we're in, you know, is vital. It's crucial. We have to have our heads in the game. We have to, we have to be ready if the audible is called. And if we're not, if we're, if we're laxing and we're slacking in the little things, Everybody else did their jobs that day, that moment, that play. Ten guys did their job. The one who didn't, the one who missed their assignment, cost us the game. You've heard the, you've heard the phrase, the weakest link. I don't see any of you. I don't see any of us that God's called to be the weakest link. We're not called to be the weakest link. We're called to, to be the, the, the army of God fitly and jointly joined together and moving as one, listening to the, to the leading of the Holy Spirit and moving as one. And when we do, we win the game every single time. I really like winning every single time. Okay, that was my... I hate that story about high school. I'll tell you the other story that I really love. We'll end with that one. That's the one you'll remember. I was on a wrestling team. We were state champions. Eleven individuals. Twelve individuals. Twelve individuals all doing what they're individually trained to do at their position. And I remember it was the, the, the last uh, uh, season, you know, the last regular season match. And we had won every single match in our division. We, had, we won every single match that whole year. But we won every single match in our division that year. And on that night, on Friday night, whatever night that was, we were wrestling Fairbow. Fairbow was the dreaded enemy. They were good. 
It was either them or us. They were, either they were going to going to state or we were going to state. It was the last match. And it had a little extra added pressure. Because that match was the hundredth conference match in a row that we in our school would have won in wrestling. In the 80s, 70s and 80s, we dominated southern Minnesota in wrestling. That night, we had won 99 straight division, or straight uh, conference matches. That night was the 100th match. If we won that, we would have won 100 solid conference matches we're in the locker room we're getting ready the band is playing i mean for a wrestling match anybody ever wrestle they don't bring bands this there's a band the place is packed every bleacher seat is filled you can hear the roar of the crowd we're in the locker room we're getting ready and as just before we go to run out all of the alumni that had ever wrestled and could be there walked into the locker room completely surrounded us, stood there silently. And all of a sudden, one of them looked up and said, don't blow it. (laughs) We won. That's all that mattered. But each person had to go out there and do their job. And if we had slacked off, if we hadn't been on time, if we hadn't done what our job required... There would have been a weak link. That team, we never lost a match all year long. We played, we wrestled against the, all of the toughest teams in Minnesota. We went to a tournament in the toughest schools in Iowa. We wrestled against schools in Wisconsin. We never lost a match. Most of them were blowouts. Why? Because each person did their job. And each person practiced and, and, and fulfilled their part of the team. The kingdom of God is just like that. We have a coach who understands exactly how to win the game. He's, his, his team is going to win the game. But whether, whether we're there to, to do our part, whether we're there to make the team or not, is up to us. And what is expected of us is not less than what was expected of anything else that we ever do in our life. Whether it be a job or, or whether it be a, a, a school or whatever it is. There are things that are expected of us in the kingdom of God that we get. sometimes we get wrapped up in the grace part of it and go, oh, you know, he'll, he'll understand. I'm going to relax. I'm not going to seek Him. I'm not going to obey when He says to do this or that. I'm not going to you know, show up on time. I want to encourage us as a body. I don't. I, I don't like. I don't watch people come in. I, I, that's why I sit up here and look that way. I don't. It isn't about that. What it's about is that God is raising our game. He's raising it because this valley is vital. This period of time is vital. And when we take it, because we're going to, we are taking this seriously, this call, this, this movement that He has us being a part of, we need to take this seriously. And we're go- we are taking this seriously. We're going to do everything we need to do 
If that means we need to change some things that we're doing, I, this summer, have had to change a bunch of things the way I look at and, and how I operate because God is saying, we're going here. And once we get there, we're going to go here. We are going there, and for we to go there, I have to go there. Jamie has to go there. Deb has to go. We all, all the, everybody has to go to that. And that means all of us. Because we're all getting there. That's one prayer I've prayed for the last 15 years is every one of us gets across. We're all going across. Not one falls behind. We're not going to, oh, good, good luck. Try to keep up, folks. No. We're all going to get there. And when we do, we're unstoppable. Amen? Amen. Good morning. I've got way more than ten, two, two minutes, but... Two and a half. Okay. <laughs> All right. So how many of you realize that going from, well, the road to go from average to awesome, from where we are now to fulfillment of God's plan for our life, is not going to be a downhill coast? I only see one hand. Wow, you guys got it good. All right. If we are living for God, if we're pursuing Him and His plan for our lives, we're going to be going against the flow of the world. And like Pastor John was saying, we need to be diligent. We need to be focused. He said in John, Jesus said in John 16.33, In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Through what Jesus did on the cross in redeeming us from the curse, we can, ha- we can live a life of victory. We can live in the blessing. We can live awesome lives that have a powerful impact on the world around us. Now, unfortunately, the way a lot of Christians live, and I've been there and done this, you would think that what Jesus said was this, In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I sent the tribulation to teach you a lesson. Too many of us have accepted the tribulation. We're allowing the curse to exist in our lives without fighting against it. Jesus said in John 10.10, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and then they might have it more abundantly. Our enemy is doing everything he can to keep us from living in the blessing, to keep God's highest and best for us away from us. Now, it's obvious from the Word of God that He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be victorious. He wants us to live awesome lives that give Him glory. But we can't be passive about it. We've got to be diligent. We've got to be focused. We need to fight. We need to fight for the promises of God. We have an enemy. Now, fortunately, the good news is, and it, I guess it really is the good news, it's the essence of the gospel, Jesus has already given us the victory. He's already defeated the enemy. It, the Bible says um, Jesus disarmed him, made a show of him, of him openly, humiliated him, triumphing over him in it. He's given us authority and dominion over the enemy. He's given us all the tools we need to enforce his defeat, kick him out of our lives, send him packing. 
Now, what happens when the victory doesn't happen right away? What happens when the fight is drawn out and it looks like we're not making any progress? Actually, I said all that to get to my main text here. James 1. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, it took years for me to understand how that was even possible. But it kind of gets to what Pastor John was saying. The only, the only way you can count it joy is when you're anticipating the victory. You're anticipating that God is getting you through it. He's getting you through the trial. So count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That's living in victory. If any of you lacks wisdom, now, one of the things that God has really been dealing with me about the last couple of weeks is that these statements are connected. You can basically say, if any of you lacks wisdom in knowing what to do to get out of this trial, to knowing what to do to get the victory in this trial, you ask of God. Ask for his wisdom. So let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. God knows exactly what is causing this trial, what is causing the tribulation in your life. He knows exactly why it's being delayed. And he, know, he knows exactly what we need to do to fix it. And the awesome thing is, he wants to reveal it to us. He wants to show it to us. He wants to give us his wisdom. Now, about a, about a month ago, actually for the last month, there's been some crazy trials and tribulations that, that I've been going through in, in the business. Um. And in particular, there, there was a couple days where there was just a series of things that's, that were happening. Just boom, boom, boom. And by the third or fourth time, I realized, okay, somehow the devil got into this. And I need to kick him out. So I did everything I needed to do. I used the authority that, that I've been given. I used the tools that I've been given. Cast him out. Kicked him out. Confessed blessing and abundance over the business. And I stood in faith, and I did it day after 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 day. And nothing changed. Nothing changed. I don't know why it took me two to three weeks, but after two or three weeks, I realized, okay, something's not right. (laughs) I'm not getting it. So I sought God. I realized wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is the principal thing. So I took time to seek him, be quiet in front of him, wait on him. And after a couple of days, he showed me. There was something that he had told me at the beginning of the year to do. And I, uh, I obviously didn't take it very seriously. I, I did it for a little bit and stopped. And then he, he basically told me, I, I told you to do that for your benefit, for your good. So I started to do it again, and I'm believing we're coming out of this. I believe with that wisdom... We're going to have the victory. We're coming out of this. So, to summarize, God is good, the devil is bad. <laughs> God wants us to live victorious, blessed, awesome, impactful lives. The devil wants us to live anything but. Right? 
when we are dealing with tribulation or trials, we need to realize it is a fight. We need to press. We need to be diligent. We need to be focused. How I like to say it is we need to attack the curse. You just need to attack it. If it, any aspect of the curse com, comes into your life, you need to go into offense and attack. Not defense, offense. We cannot allow any aspect of the curse to remain in our lives. And often, the key to the victory is the wisdom of God. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. I thank you so much that you do know exactly what we're going through, and you know exactly how to get us out of it. You know exactly the steps that we need to take along your path for our lives. You know exactly what we need to do to go from average to awesome, to live blessed, victorious, powerful lives that impact the world around us, that impact the valley. So, Father God, I I ask you to bless the tithes and offerings that are being presented today. And again, I thank you. I thank you so much for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn with me to Acts. Acts chapter 10, verse 34, beginning with verse 34. says, Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. As for the word that He sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus, through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. Good. While I continue to talk here, turn to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. So we've been uh, talking about what it's like to, what it means to be a child of God. That was the first half of the year. Second half of the year, we've been talking about Jesus. I think that's probably he's, he is the best example of what being a child of God is all about. We can watch, look at his life. We can hear his words. We can see how he reacted to things. We can see how he took the initiative. How he did different things, and we can use him as an example. Luke chapter 4, so we've been doing that. We've been in, uh, in Matthew uh, 5, 9, and 11 over the last series. No? John 5, 9, and 11. Thank you. Glad you guys are listening. I don't have, the no- I don't have that in my notes, and so I just guessed. All right, so moving right along. I know we're in Luke now. See, I know that. Luke chapter 4. Here's another example. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on uh, on the Sabbath day. Huh, interesting. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. That was his custom. That's what he did. That's how he... Verse number 16. Starting with verse 16. 
And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because it has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. All of a sudden, I don't know why, I just all of a sudden thought of this. How many of you were uh, in the Twin Cities area when the, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls went through? You remember that? Did anybody go to the, see the Dead Sea Scrolls? Yeah, it's awesome. One of the things that was one of my highlight of the whole thing was the piece of Isaiah and had that verse on it in the display case. And you just, it makes you kind of go, oh, wow, that's cool. I mean, that wasn't the one he probably read, but it was one at that same time anyway. I don't know why I thought of that. Just, you know, da da da. Little extra, no extra charge for that piece. Where was I? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has set, sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless, you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. That happened on the cross. What we have heard you did in Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. So Jesus came and he said, here's why I'm here. I'm here, and he took it right from the scripture. He says, I'm here to proclaim good news to the poor. God has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, that's what he came for. If that's why he came here, why are we here? We're here to do the exact same thing. God has anointed you to proclaim the favor of God. What is the favor of God? Well, the favor of God is that you don't have to live in sin anymore. The favor of God is you don't have to live under the curse anymore. We're not to be, uh, there, are, there are times when the curse, because we live in this world, where the curse affects us. But we are not, we are to be set free from the, 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 the power that the curse has over us. We are free from that. And not just us, but we're to proclaim that to all the, everybody else around us. That is who we are. And we're to do it with authority. Jesus, why could Jesus stand up and proclaim something that everybody else went, wow, where's he getting this? I mean, wasn't the first time Isaiah was read in that synagogue. There wasn't, it wasn't the first time that, that somebody got up and read those verses. What was the difference between them and Jesus? The difference was he was anointed by the Holy Spirit with power. So when he said it, he could back it up. Now, turn over. Just, oh, before you turn over, just real quick, mark down Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. That's where we're at. That's where we just started. Read Luke chapter 4 every day this week. 
and think about it. Luke chapter 4, got all kinds of good stuff in it. That's our assignment for this week. Read Luke chapter 4 seven times between now and next Sunday. Meditate on it, make some notes, share some thoughts with a friend over coffee. Luke chapter 4. Now, while we're doing that, 2 Corinthians 1. 2 Corinthians 1. Because Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit and with power, the Holy Spirit and with power, and he was commissioned to go about preaching good news, preaching the good news and doing good. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 19 through 22. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaim to you, Sylvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it was all it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. That's the verse we can look at and say, okay, God anointed Jesus Christ with his Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good. Paul said, but it's not just Jesus. Jesus did his job. Jesus fulfilled his call. He went and did what the Father told him to do. He, t- he went about doing good. He went about proclaiming uh, freedom to those that were oppressed. He went about opening blind eyes. And Paul said, and it's not just Jesus, he's also anointed us. Not because we did something great. It's not what Paul said. He said, he, he has also anointed us because of Jesus. When we identify with Jesus, because when we're born again, when we say, that's it, I'm no longer my own, I've been bought with a price, and the price was the blood of Jesus. I am no longer my own. I'm now His. I've identified with Him. I'm saying, I'm in. And what I'm into or what I'm in for is this. The call to go about doing good. We have biblical mandate to say, because of what Jesus did, not because I'm something great, not because, hey, watch me do something cool. But it's because I'm His, because I'm in Christ, God has chosen, that's His plan, to also anoint me with the Holy Spirit and power. He's also, He's also chosen to anoint you with the Holy Spirit and power. And the same Holy Spirit and power that He anoints me with, He anoints you with. And He anoints you with. And they're not even looking at me. And He anoints you with. Oh, they were looking at me peripherally because as soon as I said that, they smiled. There is no junior anointing. There's no senior anointing. I was pointing at Brian Eager, not, not, uh, not uh, Warren. There's no male anointing. 
And then the females, well, good luck to you. Just stay close to us. We'll, we, we got you. We got you covered. He's anointed us, the body of Christ, with the Holy Spirit in power, and it's not just so that we can have a good time. It's so that we can go about doing good, proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord. To go about setting captives free. Go about. Sometimes that's one-on-one. Sometimes. It's, it's you have an opportunity to, 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 to witness to somebody, to share with somebody, whatever it is. Sometimes it's as a group. Maybe it's as a family. But you're, you're, you're walking through your life and He has anointed you. You have a biblical Holy Spirit mandate to go about doing good. Doing the very things that Jesus did. Now, is it always opening blind eyes? No. Sometimes it's doing something really disgusting, like cleaning somebody's house that just hasn't been clean ever, and you're in there going, my gosh, I'm getting a huge crown for this. Because the whole reason you're doing it is because of the love coming out of your heart for them and because God cares about that person and they don't know it yet. I mean, everybody wants that big flashy healing ministry, but how many people want to clean toilets? Same anointing. Oh Lord. Give me the bathroom cleaning anointing so that I can go about doing good. And we laugh about it. I laugh about it because I think you know, it's funny. But the truth is, as we go about doing good, as we go about being Christ, it doesn't have to take the form that, you know, just, you know, I don't see in the Bible where Jesus cleaned toilets. Yes, he did. At the Last Supper, it says that he. He stood up, put on the the towel around his waist, and he bent down to wash the disciples' feet. Remember, they did not have street sweepers back in those days. They didn't have... They had servants who washed the feet because they had just walked through camel poo. Stuff people had thrown out their window... well, on the men's retreat, we watched uh, Search of the Holy Grail. Bring out your dead. People were throwing the chamber pots out the window into the street. Hey. Yeah. The roads were disgusting. The, words, the roads were nasty. That was the lowest of the lowest job in, in, in servitude in those days was to wash the feet of the strangers, the people who came in off the street. Jesus said, what you do to me, what you do to the lowest of these, you do to me. Serving somebody, loving somebody. Hey, if it leads to blind eyes open, glory to God. But seeing blind eyes open is not your responsibility. Being obedient and ready to serve wherever God leads is your responsibility. We're going to get into Luke chapter 4 deeper 
next week. Let's all stand.